Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so last Sunday morning, you know, we, were, we were looking at these scriptures and, and you know, said last, last week that you know, this is a scripture that most of us can quote. We know these words. Even people who aren't uh, actively serving God or in churches today, it's very common. Everybody knows these words and knows this prayer and people can recite it. But, you know, uh, this wasn't something that the Lord instructed us to pray as, I want you to pray these words, which a lot of people do. But really, it was a blueprint for uh, the Christian life and the things in, in life that we're to be going after and really how we should model our life. Aren't you glad we've got an example for a model for our lives? And, and we're not just left on our own to figure these things out, but we have a model just written out in a few lines that really help us to focus. But how do you know that even though you have a model or a direction or instruction, instruction book, you still have to follow that in order to get the end result that, that you intend to get? Now, I don't know about you, but you know, when Christmas time or something rolls around, if you have kids, you need to get all these toys with tons of instructions and all these things. Am I the only one that hates reading the instructions and hates following them? I see a few hands go up. I absolutely hate it. I would much rather sit down and try to figure it out myself than read the instructions. This year, our kids got these robot things from their grandparents, and uh, it, it took me, it was one of the things that I had to follow the instructions. If I was going to get the right end, end result. How many hours did I spend on, on those? I mean, Huh? Day, it, was, it was actually days. It was not measured in hours. It was measured in days. Let me just say something for all of you grandparents. Don't buy presents for your grandkids that your children will hate. Because I, it, it's been, I say, amen. Can I hear amens to any other parents in here, right? Amen. I think grandparents love to do this just to torture. Shame on all of you. And if the Lord tarries and I become a grandparent, I'm going to do the same thing. So... But uh, I hate following instructions, but, you know, sometimes there are some things that you can, you can just kind of wing it and figure it out on your own. There are other things that, that if the end result is very precise and the plan is very detailed, if you don't follow the plan, you will come to a different result at the end and produce something that won't really look like, function like, uh, uh, appear like how it was designed. And you know what? If these things are simple things, but if we'll lay our lives along this path and follow the instructions, we'll actually produce in the end produce the end result that he was wanting us to produce as his followers, as his sons and daughters, produce an image that actually looks right. And that it actually doesn't look warped or weird, but it actually looks the way that he intended it to look. And it actually is able to do what he intended it to do and function the way he intended it to function. Now, the robot these kids got, you know, the, it, it's supposed to look a certain way, and it can dance, it tells jokes, it does all these weird things, you know. Uh, but if you don't follow the instructions, it won't be able to move right. It won't be able to roll around right. It won't be able to do what it's supposed to do. You can create something. It's just not the right thing. I don't know about you, but there are some things in life that are okay if they're close enough. The plan of God is not something that is okay if it's close enough. Come on now. We shouldn't be living close enough Christianity. <laughs> I said we shouldn't live a close enough Christianity. 
close enough is not good enough. Right? In a lot of things, I'm, I'm okay with it's close enough. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's close enough. It's good enough. There, but there are other things that I won't, we don't go there. When Amy and I, when, we, when I go with her flying somewhere, I don't want her to have a close enough, right, attitude towards flying. If she flies with a, Kendra's like, I don't know. You're not with her. When I'm with, I want her to check those things. And, and I, know, I know just enough to annoy her that, you know, well, did you check this? Well, did you check that? And she just would like to punch me. But I want her to, I want her to be, I, want, I don't want her to do a, I don't want her to, be, her to be a close enough pilot. I want her to be an exact pilot to get where we need to go because it's in the details of important things that, that you, you stay safe, stay out of danger, and you get to where you need to be. So, like I said, these scriptures were, were not just a prayer to, to repeat and to say, you know, and just to, to mutter, but it really is a, a blueprint for our life. As believers, it is a basic, short, very quick checklist of priorities in our life. And without these, they're very easy to get off track. And so uh, we started talking about these, and there there are a couple that I want to focus on in a little more detail. But the first one, Our Father in Heaven, the title Father I said last week, you know, is a title honor, and it's a call to relationship. And and I'm going to, I could just speed through it, but this is where it starts. And let me tell you, this is where it ends. Your walk with God starts with your relationship with God. And when this life is over, when it's all said and done, your relationship with God will still be the very most important thing. But everything else, when you, when this life is over, who you're in relationship with is more important than any things that you've done in between. Who are you in relationship with? Right? And, and when you stand before him, you want to be in a place of, 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 of being, being not ashamed of your relationship that you had, but, but, but proud of and happy with, and, and maybe not, it wasn't perfect, but thank God for the grace of God, right? But it was what it was supposed to be. Relationship is everything. Listen, your relationship with God, I said last week's going to look like you. We can't get into the business of comparing ourselves with somebody else, but we do know this, any relationship with God that is actually a vibrant relationship is going to be passionate. I say this every time because there are so many unpassionate Christians. What you're passionate about is what's important to you. What you're passionate about speaks about who you are. What you're passionate about, not only it directs the, the direction your life takes, right? It, it directs, it, it, it directs, or it, what did I say? It directs the, it, we don't know. I don't know either. It, it, it dictates the direction your life takes. Well, it also dictates what direction your life doesn't take. Right? What you're passionate about are the things that it determines where your time goes. It's how, what your priorities are. Listen, your relationship with God is your relationship with God. It's going to fit your personality. I said last on Sunday morning, but a lot of times people blame things on personality that really aren't personality traits that came from God. They're personality traits that we've adopted because of junk that's gone on in our life. Right? Being, being, being someone that's got the gift of suspicion, the 10th gift of the spirit, y'all know what I'm talking about, that everybody you see, you're suspicious of them. W- Want to question what their ulterior motives are and what's really going, anybody know what I'm talking about? That enjoys just the, I wonder what's really going on. A lot of times people like that because they've been hurt in the past and what they thought was one thing wasn't really the truth. And once they got involved with somebody in some situation, they got hurt over it. And so they developed this questioning mentality. How many know that's not from God? 
the Bible, speaking of love, says that it believes the best. Right. And so the gift of suspicion is not believing the best. It's questioning if, that, if it's possibly not really true. So that could be a part of your personality, but that's not there from God. That's something that's there because of things that have happened to you. So we want to make sure that even that excuse, when I say your, or that, that, that framework, your relationship with God will look like your personality. But let's also be honest. There are things in our personality that we need to change because they've been corrupted by things that have gone on in this world. What, who God really made you to be, that's how your relationship with God ought to look. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Let's not make excuses for things. When something's not right, even in our personalities, we, we should adjust those things. Well, that's, it's true. And so your relationship with God is going to look like you. It's going to have your personality, but it's going to be passionate. If you're, if you're not passionate about God, if you're not really passionate about God, in terms of your relationship or, or your personality, you know how you are. Some people never get excited about anything. They're just, uh, that's great. Anybody been there before? So, some people, you know, if Publishers Clearinghouse shows up to your house, and you'd be like, that's awesome. Well, praise the Lord. Well, that's your personality. But if your personality is one like, whoo, Publishers Clearinghouse, and they can hear you a mile away, like Edna, well, then, then, you know, that, then, then your relationship with God, if that's who you really are, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. And I'm, I told Steve for service tonight, I've got a little bit of meddling in me tonight, meddling in me. Listen, it amazes me. We come to prayer. People are all real loud before prayer, talking and laughing. As soon as we go to prayer, it gets real quiet. I noticed that too. Anybody ever noticed that before? Makes me wonder, what, what's that all about? I know sometimes we, you know, we're praying, you want to hear whoever's leading what they're praying about, but you don't understand what I'm talking about. If your personality is outgoing, why aren't you outgoing about the things of God? Be you. Well, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to reflect your person. I, I, we can stay, go, get off of that, but it's going to reflect your person, but it's going to be passionate. It's going to be real. It's not going to put on show for somebody else. It's going to be open and honest before God, right? How many know that's important? So we've been called to relationship. Our Father, who, who is in heaven, we've been called to relationship. Every single individual, you have a relationship with God, and what it is is how close it is is up to you because he's always looking for an opportunity to get closer. He, the Bible says he knows that he has the numbers of the, of the, heads on, of the hair on your head numbered. One study of that, I was listening to a minister talking about this, and he actually studied, when it talks about it, it's not just one, how many you have. Each individual hair has a number. So when you lose a hair, well, that was number 32 you just lost. Not just one less in the count. He knows exactly which one that was. I mean, the Bible says that he cares about us affectionately and, and, watches, and looks after us watchfully, the Amplified said. He, his attention, he's very much focused on us. I love the scripture in Genesis in the very beginning that the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the deep. The Bible says he, he searches the earth. He goes to and fro looking for somebody that he can be strong on their behalf, someone whose heart is loyal to him. His attention is on us. So if a relationship with God isn't, doesn't seem real close, it's not on God's end, right? It's not on his end. It's got to be on our end. We, we, you know, a lot of things would be settled if people just be, just actually be in love with Jesus. 
I said a lot of stuff would be worked out if people would just actually be in love with Jesus. Actively in love with Jesus. Present tense today, it, at not just today or this hour, but at this moment, actually in love with Jesus. Come on now. When you're in love with something, not just in general, but actively right now, it changes what you do right now. It affects how you see things right now. It affects how you hear right now. Come on now. <laughs> you know, we've all been there before where, where our, our heart really was not as, not as hot towards the Lord as it should have been. Right? Not as, not as on fire or as consumed with Jesus as it should be. We've all been there, haven't we? Let's not stay there. I said, let's not stay there. Pastor morning was talking a great message. He talked about people being hungry. Whose job is that to be hungry? Is that the pastor's job to preach a message good enough to get you hungry? We've got his word. We've been sealed with his spirit. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Whether it's alive or real to us is entirely up to us. I'm telling you, God loves you. He is passionate about you. He is crazy about you to the point that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. You talk about taking extreme measures and going the extra mile. He has pursued you your entire life. He knew you before you were born. That's how much he loves you. That's our, that's our God. That's how crazy he is about you. Can we, if we could just get half as crazy about him, we would see great things happen. Amen? It starts with just staying in love with Jesus. Can, can we do this? Can we have a culture around here where we just inspire one another to love God? Can we have a culture where we just inspire one another to actually love Jesus? How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do that? Huh? Start responding to what's in your heart for yourself. And don't wait for some, and let's not be people who wait for somebody else to initiate something. Let each person initiate and respond to their heart in their relationship with God. Let each person respond to Jesus for themselves. Well, praise God. We, we, we create an atmosphere. Hallelujah. We create an atmosphere where God can move where God is honored, where he is glorified. Our Father who art in heaven. You know, I was reading this week in the book of John, and, and, and uh, for service I was just reminded of this. And, you know, when Jesus uh, prayed for the man at the pool of Bethesda, you know, religious religion is so stupid. It really is so dumb. This man had been a crippled for 40 years or whatever it was, just a very long time, had been crippled, standing next to the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus walked up and said, you know, do, you know, what, what, you know whatever he said to him. He said, I don't have anybody to put me, put me in, the, in the water when the angel comes down, you know. And so Jesus healed the man. And, of course, the religious people got upset because Jesus did this work on the Sabbath. But if you read that scripture, they also got angry. They were angry because he worked on the, on the Sabbath, but then they wanted to kill him because he said, God was my father. That realization that God is my father, I don't think we understand how, how awesome that is. 
We, we have just kind of overlooked some of those things. Because they said, and, and, and well, let's, let me try to find it. In John, it's going to be John 5 or 6, I'm guessing, somewhere in there. Somebody said 5? Yeah, he had infirmity for 38 years. Uh, Jesus saw him lying there. Do you want me to, to, do you want to be made well? He said, sir, I've got nobody to put me in the, in the, in the, in the pool. There's an interesting re- response, isn't it? He said, do you want to be made well? And the man actually, and then responded with his ability to do something. That's interesting, isn't it? How many times do you respond with, with you when God asks you a question? Do you respond with, well, what, this is what I can do. It's not up to what you can do. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took his bed and walked. And that day, the, that was the Sabbath. Um, they want to know who it was. Uh, let me find this. Somebody said what? Verse 18. Yeah, verse 18. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Well, verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Jesus answered, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Do you realize what that means that God is our father? Our father who is in heaven? We're not equal to, we're equal with God. There's a difference, but we're still equal to him. That means we're made of the same things. Made The Bible says we've been made in his image and in his likeness. How he is made up is how you and I have been made up, recreated to be just like him. Not equal to him, but equal with him. That changes everything if we'll live aware of that. Right? Starts with our, our relationship with God. The more you get to know him, you, the more you get to know yourself. You can't know yourself apart from knowing him. You cannot really know who you are apart from knowing who he is. Well, I'm throwing some good stuff out tonight. You can't know who you are without knowing him. Why would you not want to be passionate about who he is? It is the ultimate expression of selfishness is to be passionate about God, to know him more because you will also then begin to know who you really are. And outside of that, you'll continue to stumble in the dark and wonder which way is up and which way is down. Who am I? What am I? The question will never be answered outside of who he is. If you've accepted Jesus Who he is is now who you are. He's the vine, you're the branch, the same life that flows through him now flows through you. You are are forever connected to one another. Where the branch is, where, where where, where the tree is and the branches, you can't tell. They run one into another. You can't know who you are without knowing him. Your relationship with God was everything. Well, anyway, we gotta move on. Our Father who in heaven, uh, uh, hallowed be your name. That next part, hallowed be your name, is an expression of worship. I'm not going to even get close to that, am I? Uh, it's an expression of worship. I said it's an expression of worship. You know, one of the things that, that the Lord the last, uh, uh, last while, I don't know how long, has been just dealing with me about is, and just talking to me about and just urging me forward is in this area of worship. I've taught about it recently. 
uh, on Sunday nights. You go back and listen to those. But it's something that this area of praise, thanksgiving, praise, and worship, something that the Lord just keeps drawing me into. And when we read this scripture, he starts off with our relationship with him, him being our father. Number two, he talks about it shows our attitude or our heart towards him. In our life, uh, 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 honoring and worshiping God. You know, every part, well, let's say this, worship isn't a part of, this, of a service. Worship should be a part of our life. It should be who we are. It, it, should, it should be, it, how many, I've said this before when talking about praise, thanksgiving, praise, and worship. I said worship isn't, isn't a part of a service or, or, or something to get to a destination. It is the destination in, of, in and of itself. We've been guilty, I've been guilty, of seeing praise, praise as a means to get something. Anybody been there before? Yeah, I'll just ask for it, and then I thank him for it, and I thank him enough, thank him enough, thank him enough, then I get somewhere. There's an aspect when we're believing God for something to respond with thanksgiving, and it helps in the, in the, in the transaction, but it's not just, that's not what it's for, it's to get things. It's a response from our heart. And it's not reserved for just when you're believing God for something or in service. It's for every part of your life. Let me ask you this. Is your life thanksgiving, praise, and worship to God? Only you can really answer that. What is, what is thanksgiving? It's thanking him for what he's done. What is praise? It's, it's acknowledging who he is, right? One leads to the next. And then worship is offering a sacrifice in, in which you become the sacrifice, where you lay other things aside and you choose to make a decision to put your attention on him and out of your mouth or with your lifestyle, with your life, to honor him with who you are, right? And so, you know, this, this, this issue of, of worship is something that, that, that it's, it, it is a major, it's not a minor, Right? I mean, I said this last week, we read the book of Revelations. So much in the book of Revelations is description on the activity of heaven. Now, what's going to go on when we get there? I have no idea. I was talking to somebody this week about this. Was it you? You and I were talking. And uh, when we get to heaven, you know, things you want to see, things you want to do, you know. And, and I said, you know, I, when, we, when this life is over, there are certain planets I want to go check out. Anybody ever have those thoughts before? Or is that just me? Really? No? There are, there are places I want to see. You know, the, the big dot on Jupiter, I want to go check that out. You know, I, I want to go see what that is, you know. And, and I, there, I think like that. I want to go check out things. I guess I'm the only person like that. No, I, I'm, I think like that. I, I love to explore. I want to I see things. And so we get to heaven. We're going to have opportunities to do a lot of things. One thing, you know, I've told the Lord, you know, I love to ski. And you called me to be in Florida, which is the worst spot for snow skiing, probably other than the equator. You know, you called me to the worst spot to live because I love to snow ski. So when I get to heaven, I want some opportunities to go snow skiing. But then I think, well, how much fun is it going to be when there's no risk of death? You know, that's part of the thrill of snow skiing. You might hurt yourself. So you, it's kind of an adrenaline. Well, when you can't hurt yourself, is it going to be that much fun? I just think the hills will be that much bigger and that much steeper, right? To make me think for a second, oh, maybe oh, I might be able to hurt myself, well, maybe not. But anyway, you know, I want to be able to do those things. So what are we going to do in heaven? I don't know. There'll be a lot of things that go on. The Bible says we'll rule and reign with him. So there'll be things to rule and reign over. You can't rule and reign if there's nothing to rule and reign over, right? 
So what will we be doing in heaven? I don't really know. So there'll be some other things involved. But the book of Revelation, the thing that is the theme that recurs the most is there is just a ton of worship around the throne room. There is a ton of, of honoring him. And there are creatures, their whole existence is to be there just to worship, just to worship the Father. Just to give glory to the Father. It is the sound of heaven. Do you realize thanksgiving, praise, and worship is the sound, it is the music of heaven. That is what heaven is filled with. Well, you know, our lives should be filled with that as well. You know, we we can worship God with our mouths. We can worship God with our families. We we should be worshiping God with our, our bodies, Right? We, should, we can worship him, and, and, and remember, worship is a sacrifice. We can worship him in our finances. We, we can worship him in our businesses, business dealings. Worship him in every area of our life. Worship is huge. It's not a part of service, it's a part of life. It's a major part of life. When you get up and go to work tomorrow, you can go to work and worship God through your job. Yeah. Where you're not goofing off on the company time, but you're honoring him through your time, right? You're making business deals that don't just make you the most money, but they're the right deals to make. Well, I could get ahead. No, you don't want to get ahead your way. Get ahead God's way. Right? The blessings of the Lord makes one rich, but he has no sorrow with it. Listen, you get outside of a life of worship in our lifestyle towards God, you get into a place where things start getting added to your life that shouldn't have been added, and they can bring heartache. Right? Worship is huge. I said worship is huge. I read this scripture, you know, about Mary, uh, Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, I'll read it to you. You need to turn there. Now it happened as they went uh, that he entered a certain village. This is Luke 10, 38. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his voice. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, or that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, it is easy with the demands of life, even the demands in a church, to get so busy with the details that we forget what the details are all about. You know, I know these things that, that we've heard and things that, that we know, but anytime we hear these things, we have to examine our lives. With what you're doing with your time, is it worshiping God? Is it an honor to him? Now, that doesn't mean that he, he won't let you have the things that you want. We know the word also says if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. So there's safety there to know that we'll actually, if we'll present our life and pursue him with our lives, that he'll actually get behind what we're doing as well, right? But, but 
It's easy to get so busy. You know, it's easy for pastors to get so busy pastoring, they forget the one they're pastoring for. It's easy. Right? It's easy to get so busy parenting, we forget whose kids we're parenting. And the fact that he entrusted them to us. And so, it really, that's, that's, a, that's a service to him. That's an honor. It's a sacrifice to him. You, do you see what I'm saying? Do we, do, do we all get this? Worship is huge. I said worship is huge. It's not necessarily a glory hallelujah. It's, it's an expression or a sacrifice of who you are. It may come out this way, but it may come out in other ways. Is your life a life of thanksgiving, praise, and worship? I mean, you know, when, when, I, when I read these verses, you know, it starts with our relationship and then it goes to, to worship. It just really, for me, it helps me to see how important this is, how vital this is. Listen, you can't say this stuff doesn't work or it's not real if you don't follow the plan. It's wrong for me to say this old dumb robot. It says it'll do all of this, but it doesn't do it, and I didn't follow the plan. This thing, it says it'll tell jokes. I haven't heard it say one thing. Did I connect the mouth? It says it'll dance. Did I, did I connect the arms the right way? Did I put them on right? The way the instructions say it. The first time I built it, I put the arms on backwards. I'm following the directions, but then I, okay, I see this. And so then I got ahead a little bit, feeling good about it. I got, I got these engineers beat, you know? And then, and then I turned it up and his arm's going back. I'm like, what? That's not right, you know? And like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then he did something that popped a piece off the back. I just broke it. I followed the instructions. Ah, kinda. I followed it pretty close, but just not quite all the way. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of people get before Jesus and they're going to say, but I followed the directions. And he said, you were close, but you didn't follow all the way. Hmm. I don't want to be one of those people. And I got to be honest with you, I've followed the dire- I've not followed all the directions the right way. Right? I mean, a lot of times I've not followed the directions. I've kind of winged it put my own interpretation on how things should look. Yeah. Let's not be those people. Let's let our lives be a life of worship. Hmm. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Just trying to see if I want to even get into this next area, but your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, uh, like I said last week, heaven's our standard. And, of course, you know, heaven has streets of gold. And so is that what it's talking about, that we should desire streets of gold here on earth? I, I don't believe that's it. But in Psalms 144, in the New American Standard, it says, Let our cattle bear without mishap and without loss. Let there be no outcry in our streets. This is what the psalmist David wrote, and, and, I, and I like that translation, the way it was written. Let our cattle be without mishap. This is Psalms 144:14. And without loss, and let there be no outcry in our streets. You know, we're living in a day, I was just talking to somebody after church, you know, about the mess that's going on around us. The things that are going on, they're just, you know, they're, they're just not right. You know, the world's in a mess. 
And and let me just say this. We can get so focused on the mess that we get depressed about the mess. And that's not where our answer is. But you still got to acknowledge that things aren't right and there's still change that needs to be made. Right? And so it's a pretty astounding statement that Jesus instructed us to focus on your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that is a pretty amazing statement. Wouldn't you agree? See, when we just recite this stuff without thinking about it, we forget the power behind it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's really an amazing thing that the Lord instructed us to to pray for, and we'll talk about how we do this, but uh, priorities in our life. His kingdom, what's on, how it is in heaven actually being here on earth. His kingdom being here. The earth looking like it does in heaven. The way things run here look like it does there. The things that go on here going on, being the same things that go on there, and things not going on that don't go on there. Now, The Lord never instructs us to do something or pursue something if it's not possible. I said he never instructs us to do something or pursue something if it's not possible. Now, he said he was talking to people. This is how we're to to approach life. Our Father in heaven, have a pursuer relationship with God. That means it's possible for everybody to have a passionate relationship with God. Hallowed be your name to worship, to live a lifestyle of thanksgiving, praise, and worship. But then your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's possible for that. You know, I believe that most of the church is in survival mode. More so than what would be change mode. I I wish there was a better word that rhymed with survival mode. They're, They're in survival mode versus revival mode. There you go. Hey, you the pastor. All right, all right, so... Here, I'll just sit down. You've... <laughs> Survival mode versus revival mode. Woo! All right. So, but really, when people think about God's will being done, anybody here been there in the same boat? They just think about get, making it through, just surviving. God didn't call us to be survivals, survivalists. He called us to be revivalists. Right? I like this. All right. So, He called us to not just survive to barely make it through, but to actually change the way things go. Let me tell you something. Our ruling and reigning with him doesn't start then. It's already started now. Our ruling and reigning with him has already started. The Bible says we're seated along with him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. Listen, you're already seated in the position of authority, right? And we're here now to do some ruling and some reigning, not just getting by until Jesus comes and saves us. He sent us to be the Savior, little Savior, to introduce this world to the Savior, right? To to bring the will of heaven to demonstrate the reality of that land in this land. That's what he's called us to do. We have to expand our vision. We have to expand our vision. You know, this isn't a pipe dream. This isn't just something that God said or Jesus said, just, oh, we'll just throw this out there and let's see if it happens or not. This is the, actually the way he thinks and the way he believes. This is the way he sees this place. He sees it as his. Can I tell you this, that God believes that High Springs, Alachua, Gainesville, Newberry, Fort White, our area, he believes, honestly believes it belongs to him. 
Do you know that? He actually believes that. He, he believes it's his. He believes that Alachua County, as crazy as it is, you do realize we live in a very liberal county that accepts all kinds of nonsense, right? He actually believes that Alachua County belongs to him. He believes that the state of Florida actually belongs to him. He believes that the United States of America belongs to him. The thing is, what do we believe? Do we believe as sons and daughters of God, do we believe in his ownership? I don't know about you, but in my house, if somebody comes in to my house and tries to do something in my house I don't agree with, I don't let them do it. Why? Because it's my house. And I'm residing there. You can't do these things. You know, God believes these things. Now, there's been a lease been given out. And the enemy right now, the, the devil has control of that lease. Have you ever, if you, if you own a piece of property and you lease it to somebody, there are certain things they can do, but it still belongs to you. Steve has rental properties. How many rental properties do you have? Four, right? He has four right now. And there might be somebody living in that, but it still belongs to Steve. Those properties still belong to him. And their lease is just for a time. And when the lease is up, if he doesn't want them to stay, they got to get out. Why? Because it belongs to him. Well, you know, if that's the way he sees these things, we need to change our view to look to, to be like his. I want you to look at this verse. In, um, uh, boy, I'm jumping all over. Psalms chapter 50. In verse 10, it says, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand is. Now, God was talking to the children of Israel and because they were making sacrifices, he said, listen, I don't want your crazy sacrifices as if they were doing some great service to God. He said, listen, your sacrifice, that's fine, but the cattle already belongs to me. You're just giving me what already belongs to me. He said, for, the, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cow, cattle on a thousand hills. I know the birds of, all, of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field, they are mine. So that's how he looks at the resources of this earth. In Psalms chapter 2, I mentioned this Monday night in pr- uh, at prayer to the, to the group here on prayer on Monday night. In verse 7, Psalms 2 verse 7, he says, I will, dec- I, will, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. Now, if they were promised to him, to, to Jesus, you are my son, that's capital S. You are my son today, I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. If they belong to Jesus as sons and daughters of God, members of the same family, they also belong to us. You know, our nation's a mess when it comes to, to, to how we approach it. It belongs to us. We don't have to just get by. We have a right to change things. We have a right to expect change in what goes on. We, 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 don't have, we shouldn't just bury our head in the sand and just hope it gets better. We have a right to expect something. Ask of the nations and I'll give them to you. We have to expand the way we see things. Look at things in a different light. Mm. Heaven is our standard. Heaven is our standard. You know, he's deputized each one of us to go into the world and carry this out. He's authorized you and I to go into the world and carry these things out. We'll talk about, we won't have time to do it tonight, we'll talk about uh, how we're to do that. 
And I wrote this. I said, many grew up thinking, you know, come to believe as church members uh, that just as church members, not members of the fivefold ministry, their job is to come to church, serve in various positions, pay their tithes, and hope that the church services will become so epic the return of the Lord will be ushered in. You mean to read that again? Many grow up thinking, come to believe, as church members, just members of the body, their job is to come to church, serve in various positions, pay their tithes, and hope that church services will become so epic that the return of the Lord will be ushered in. You know, a lot of people view that view, church, and the things of God that way. Paying your tithes, you ought to be paying your tithes. You should be serving in your local church, right? Church services should be epic. But, but how many of you know that that's not the extent of what we've been called to do? That's not the extent of what we've been called to do. It's 40, I've been up here 43 minutes, 44 minutes. Mm. Huh? Uh, if, this is the way pastor does things. We'll be here another two hours. Uh, it's funny, you know, I went to 1230 this morning. When we were in Jacksonville, we had a service that went till 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, it was, and it was, it was not a blessing. But anyway, uh, this morning was wonderful, so. <laughs> What's that? No, I was there. You were with the kids. I was in service for that day. But anyway, praise God. I'll, I'll stop with this. We'll, we'll stop here. You know, Monday night, this is on a side note. Monday night as we were praying, just talking about services, and I, you know, I kind of felt like we might get to this tonight, and, and just kind of mention it, and, and you know, I, I, I it, it's not my intention to. I'm just don't want to be just meddling to meddle, right? You understand that. But Monday night while we were praying, you know, when Pastor and Pastor Andrew are out of town, uh, we always pray for them. I don't know if you guys know that, but we pray for you guys when you're out of town, and um, you should know since you told us to do that. I'm just kidding. They didn't. Um, they didn't. That's just something out of my heart to do. They didn't tell me that. But anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, when they're out of town, we pray for them. And so while we were praying uh, Monday night, you know, I was just praying for for Pastor, Pastor Angelo, when they get up to minister that, you know, for utterance and for for the, the for there to be an anointing upon their words to speak. This is scripture that um, I know Pastor reads over himself. I read it about me in First Peter. Uh, chapter 4, you can turn there, First Peter, the fourth chapter. In uh, uh, verse 10, First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, as each one has, has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I know Pastor reads these scriptures and, and meditates on these. He gave me a list of scriptures years ago that pertain to ministry that I, that I read at, over and meditate on. And, and this is one for me that has always stood out. And I have a, that, that list of scriptures he'd given me years ago is several pages long. And I, out of that, I took out seven or eight that just really spoke to me. And this is one that uh, for myself personally, and I pray for them, uh, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. You know, when a person gets up to, whether it be a minister or anyone else who gets up to speak, they're, they're, we're, our, our, our prayer, their prayer and our prayer should be that they speak as the oracles of God. 
When someone, when someone is an oracle, they speak for, directly for, and inspired by someone else. I don't know what the technical definition of an oracle is, but when I think of oracle, that's what I think about. Someone that, that it's not their words that are coming out. They're speaking someone else's words, right? They're speaking on behalf of somebody else. Monday night as we were praying about this, the, the Lord, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, got, I started to see this, you know, that we're praying for them and, and the day that we're in right now and, and where we're going, we're expecting God to, uh, to continue to move. How we approach when we come together has everything to do with what we get. How, I said, how we approach when we come together has everything to do with what we get. This is on kind of a side note, but I'm going to read you a couple of things. We, we read this scripture before that he inhabits the praises of his, of, our, of his people, right? We know that scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Do you not discern this is amplified and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually. Read the scripture um, uh, uh, here in 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 First um, Peter, but you know how we respond to to what when we come together. Like I said, you know people th- grow up thinking that church members their jobs to come to church, do these different things, have epic services, and that will do it. Uh, uh, that will usher in the return of the Lord. There's more to it. We'll talk about those things. But there is an aspect of how we approach when we come together that affects what we have. And the Lord just began to just reiterate to me that that it's so important. If we're going to continue to move forward, we've got to approach the times we come together as precious. Anybody out there? We have to approach them as precious. If we're expecting when pastor gets up to minister or pastor Andrew or myself or Amy, Steve, or whoever comes up to minister that is asked to minister or somebody has something on their heart that they come up to share uh, and, and to give, we should, we should look at those things and expect those words to be as if the oracles of God. But how many know that believing for something is, is what you get when you are ex- believing for something? When you believe for something, you do that before you have it. I don't need to believe that Amy is my wife or that she's sitting in front of me because she is my wife and she's sitting in front of me. I don't need to believe that, Right? You believe for something when you necessarily don't see it. What, is, what am I talking about? It's done beforehand. How we approach services has everything to do with what we have. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. But Sunday mornings, is this all right? He's not saying yes or no yet. Sunday mornings, if we expect to hear pastor minister or for us to come together and be the, that God, we're the temple of God collectively and individually. There's no business for us getting here 15 to 20 minutes late for service. Now, I know it made some people angry. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. But really, when you are, when you are excited about something, you, you make, you, it changes the way you approach it. How you live and how you act really reflects what you really believe. And if you don't really believe something, it'll be not only evident in how you respond beforehand, it'll also show up in what you get out of it. 
You know, Amy and I, we, we recently, there's, Amy and I, we have one of our favorite bands, probably our favorite band right now. I don't want to listen to them because I've listened to them so much. Mute Math had come into town. It's a Christian group, and they had, they were in Orlando, and so Jack loves them, so we got tickets to, to go down to see them and, and bought early passes to get in ahead of time. Even though I had reserved tickets to get in, there's only 25 people who could get in the show when we got into the show. You have several hundred people would be there, or, or they packed out the, the theater, we had tickets to get in, 20, 25 people could get in a couple hours ahead of time and hang out with the band before the concert. We were super excited about it. Jack didn't know about it until we got there. Even though I had a pass, one of those 25 tickets to get in early, I was so looking forward to it that I showed up to wait in that line 30 and 40 minutes early. I wanted to be in the front of that line, of the 25 people line, to get the closest access of those 25 people. Pastor said he remembers those days. As, as far as here, just church in general. You know, we we we're talking about revival. We want revival. We we want what God has. Listen, our our actions and our lifestyle have got to reflect that. Otherwise, it's just word service. It's just we're just giving lip service to something. We've all been there, right? I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. But, but, you know, as if we're going to continue to move forward, I saw this praying on Monday night. If we're going to get to where we need to go, there's got to be a real, it goes back to our relationship with God. Everything always goes back to that. There's got to be real passion and real expectation. Now, I'm not saying everybody's got to get here an hour early, but, but the, we, I noticed this morning that half the crowd showed up after service started. Now, I'm not just picking on this morning. You understand what I'm saying, but it's, it's our approach towards things. It's our approach towards things. If we really believe that what we've got is the best thing and there's stuff here for us, it ought to change. It ought to be reflected in how we respond ahead of time. If you wait for it to get good to respond, that's not living in faith. That's not producing an environment where God can move in. That's a show me and I'll accept it way of approaching things. Jesus to Thomas said, listen, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Well, I haven't seen anything yet. Regardless of what we've seen or what you've personally experienced, there's more for us to have. But if we approach it as a show me and then I'll take it, we will miss out on it. How do moves of God die out? One way it happens, people start getting competition over credit. The Zeus Street ended because... William Seymour would come to service and put a box on his head to not be distracted so he could just hear from God and whenever he heard from the Lord the direction for that particular service, he'd take the box off and get up to minister. He also didn't want people looking at it. He didn't want recognition. It also kind of, if you have a box on your head, people are going to notice you. Kind of maybe didn't work as well, but, but his heart was he didn't want attention on himself. There be, at, at some point, that began to change and credit for what was happening began to become an issue. Right? And God gets grieved by that. It also happens by people taking for granted what they have and not, not, not pursuing more of what they've, they've received and going after more. You know, I just want to challenge us and the people who are late tonight, like, oh, I feel so bad. Don't, don't worry about it. But when it's our lifestyle of just making things second place or not that important, if you, if, you had, if you had a job that was paying you a million dollars an hour, you'd be on time. 
Wouldn't you? Anybody out there? If you had a job that it paid you, but it only ran from this time to this time, and it was a million dollars an hour, you would be on time, right? I would be more than on time. I would be an hour, I would be 10 hours early, right? To make sure that, you know, a a giant like 7.9 earthquake didn't happen on the way to work, right? I might actually camp out in the front yard. I don't know of the business, but no, you would be there because you actually expect great reward. If we expect things to be, if we expect God to inhabit the praises of his people, we actually believe that. If we believe that when whoever gets up to minister, how many know that some of you God is called to get up and minister and to share and to speak as the oracles of God? If we believe that about our pastors or anybody, it would cause us to be here on time, right? And then when we're here to actually be here, right? I know we're family tonight. This is just a side note, but... You know, we have to really evaluate the way we do things. You know, when we went down to that concert, to the Mute Math concert, I wanted, I wanted the very best seat in the room. That's one of the reasons why I got there even before the 25 people. So I was the first one in the door that I could walk around the room and find where it sounded the very best in the room. Amy will tell you, I'm walking around listening to the music until I found the exact perfect spot in the room. And then I was like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> hey, no. Other people tried this. Other guy tried to come who got there after me and tried to wiggle his way into my spot. I said, no, 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 no. I, I was in the front of the line. I got here first. This is my spot. Because I wanted to have the very best sound in the room. There's something about that. I, I said, there's something about that. I said, there's something about that. You remember the days of us, of, of us taking groups to Winter Bible Seminar and people would line up at the door and rush the front to get the very front seats. Going down to see Brother Hagen. How many of the teenagers years ago went with us with a youth group down and we would get, how many, we'd get there how early? What? At least an hour. I mean, that was, that was being lazy. We got there an hour early, right? We'd get there so we could have the very best seats, wouldn't we? Do you think that approach and that attitude towards that service affected what we got out of that service? I think it does. Actually, I know for me, it absolutely does. Yeah. It's not so much about time or seating, that kind of thing. It's more, more of a thing about what, what's, what's your heart. What's your heart? You know, I, I believe as a family here on Sunday nights, we've got more of the core group here on Sunday nights. If we'll begin to take these things serious and actually really believe what we say we believe, we can affect the whole culture of our church, the whole climate of our church. We can absolutely change that. I said, we, we can absolutely change that. We can make a decision to start responding to what's in our heart and what we really believe before we see it necessarily, but because we believe it to be true. We can actually not only cause it to infect others, we can actually cause those things to begin to happen here. God always responds to hunger. He always responds to hunger. I said he always responds to hunger. Right? He always responds to hunger. It's so easy to get busy in doing what we do and forget why we're doing it and let other things sidetrack us. When I was at Ramah, 
going to prayer school. I got there and sat in the very best seat I could sit in. You know, I mean, I, I hung on every word. I wasn't on Facebook. Thank God they didn't. What well, was it, AOL back then? Hello. You know, that old weird thing on AOL when you get on AOL. You know, we can come to church and, and be distracted by all kinds of things. Well, anyway, praise God. You know, let, let's, let's recognize the anointing. Let's go after it. It's not just up to the minister to have the, the perfect sermon. It's up to us to respond, to pull those things out, to believe them and to expect them. Why are there certain people that always get something from God when they come? Because they always expect something when they come. They always expect something. I've been up here for a while. Hope this has been a help to you tonight. Just the thoughts there at the end with Pastor Greg. Something the Lord's been talking to me about in my role to, to lead, right? You know, one of the things that Steve Green took me uh, turkey hunting a couple weeks ago, and then we went this last week. First time I've ever been turkey hunting, and so I'm not a big hunter, but I really loved it, so we didn't shoot anything. We had a chance, but we let those birds live. I extended grace, and next year they're dead. So anyway, uh, there's one particular one that he's like, get it, get it, get it. And I was like, nah, I'll wait, because he just, he would have been legal, but I still want him. I wanted a bigger one, so next year I'll get him. But anyway, we went uh, uh, hunting, and so, you know, I'm interested in some of these things. And, you know, there is a particular breed of dog that's a pointer, and they've been bred when they see a bird to get in position to point towards it. Before the days of, of, of guns and stuff, they actually used to trap birds. Pointer was like the most important dog that a hunter could have. Because they would go out into the woods and they would find where the bird was hiding. And they would get into a stance. I read today where it says that they, they fix their head and they even pick up one little foot to let you know. Anybody seen a pointer dog? They'll, they'll lift a foot and they're looking at it. And it's a clue to the hunter of where to look. The hunter doesn't have to see the birds. He has to see the dog. If he can see the dog, he knows where the birds are because the, the dog will point to the birds, right? We need more pointers in our church. When they recognize the presence of God, recognize what's happened, they get into their stance and they point. You ever been somewhere and somebody points to something or is looking and you realize they're looking somewhere. How many tonight in service notice at the beginning of service, Steve saw something at the door? Anybody see that but me? Huh? Oh, Miss Spiritual Iris. My eyes were closed. All right, so her eyes were closed. <laughs> All right. Touche, touche. For us less spiritual people, I actually saw Steve, and he, he's up there, and he, 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 something got his attention at the back of the room. He's up on stage, you know, and he's doing the thing Steve does when he preaches or sings, you know, and he stopped and he went, now, did you realize you did that? He made this, and you know what it caused me to do? I'm in, the, I'm in my seat. I turned around. I'm like, what's going on back there? When somebody recognizes something, it causes other people to look. If we'll have more pointers here who will recognize the presence of God and point to it, respond to it, it'll cause others to respond to it. When you have a, a pack of, of those kind of dogs, when the first one sees the birds, the other dogs are also looking for the other dogs. They're looking out for one another. When one dog sees it, they all point in the same direction. It's called honoring the point. They honor the point. One sees it, they all then respond, and they all point the same direction. 
Think about that. We need to be pointers. We need to honor the point. Yeah. If we'll do that, more people will go with us. More change will happen. It'll be incredible. Well, praise God. God will be glorified. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.